Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. While there are a lot of uncertainties uh, at the moment, there are a few things that are very, very certain. And one is this. Today, God our Father is as good as he's ever been. Jesus is still our saviour and rules on the throne. He is healer today. And the Holy Spirit, as the worship team were just encouraging us, is here with us right now. God is here today. And tomorrow, as we look forward into uh, a future, you know, I know that good is going to come of this. I believe culturally, I believe politically, globally, the way that nations even uh, relate to one another or the way that governments operate, uh, things culturally will be better. We are experiencing quite a bit of a, a cultural shake and shift. And uh, particularly for those of us, you know, in the last 50 years, we've never experienced something like this. There are whole generations that for the very first time are experiencing a real unsettling in the things that we've always taken for granted. And so I believe out of this as we look back on this much good will come out of this and as you use your pointy finger okay as you use your pointy finger pray for the hearts of people that would come to God all right anyway point is if you're just joining in uh, as I said I don't have wi-fi here I'm relying on the 4g network I'm not sure how good it is but if you stick with me uh, we will do our best this morning all right you ready? Have you got your Bibles on you? Okay, I can't hear you, but everyone say Amen. Okay, good stuff. All right, here we go. Today, we're going to continue on with our Come Let Us series. If you do have your Bible, I want you to turn to the uh, book of Hebrews and chapter 10. And uh, while you're doing that, just a very quick uh, bit of feedback on last weekend. Of course, the reason I'm in quarantine is because last weekend I was overseas ministering in New Zealand at the Grace and Glory Conference. Uh, this is my ninth year in a row ministering there. Had a fantastic time with Gideon and Catherine Hookendike and the church at Harmony. If you want to see those messages, uh, then all you have to do is go to Harmony Church in New Zealand Facebook and our messages are there from the conference last weekend. And also had the privilege of ministering and spending more time with Catherine Ruinala. Many of you would remember she visited our church about five years ago and it was great just to be able to sit together and uh, and discuss things as all this was unfolding. I uh, also preached in uh, uh, two churches on the Sunday morning and uh, oh, sorry uh, two services on the Sunday morning and uh, it also in Christchurch happened to be the anniversary of the shooting, the mosque massacre that happened uh, exactly a year ago. And so in Christchurch, while the pandemic is going on globally, uh, the, the people there are having quite a, a sober moment. As, as I explained to you, they understand what it's like to have a city rocked and to be in lockdown and for, for things to be disrupted. But uh, I was able to bring a great word there uh, to that church. And in fact, the church I preached in on the Sunday morning did back-to-back -back services. Uh, they were the church I was with last year and uh, the church that I got the idea dear from to do our good news segment with the chocolates and so I was able to get up get a chocolate myself and thank them for how they have influenced us as a uh, as a church family all right have you found Hebrews chapter 10 I'm going to uh, open there and uh, read a few verses as we continue our come let us series for the year here we go I'm reading today from the ESV in Hebrews 10 and uh, from verse 19 therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. 
by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, which is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, come on, say, come, let us. All right, I heard you. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Come, let us, Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 25. You know, folks, when we started this uh, series at the Come Let Us series at the start of the year, I explained how it was birthed in my spirit during a prayer time that we had uh, late in 2019. Jay had asked us to consider what was on God's heart for us as a church for 2020. And as soon as she saw that, I saw 2020 written as two numbers, 2020 colon in between. And the first thought that came to my mind is 2020 is halfway to 40. 40 is a generation. As soon as I thought that, I thought David fulfilled God's purposes in his generation. And so I shared with you how I felt like 2020, among other things, would be known for us as a as almost like a halftime uh, in a game, okay, the halftime scrum time where we come together as a church, we consider where we've been in the past. We are looking forward to the next half of the game, all right, or to where we're going to be. But right now, uh, we are focusing in coming, let us together and, and forming together again as a cohesive team as we move forward. I know for many pastors at the start of the year, 2020 was full of, of, uh, of, of great things of moving forward and advancing. And that was what they were hearing from me. I guess it was more of a sober thing. It was more of a, actually, it's a time for us, among other things, sure, but among a time of evaluation, of coming together, as I said, like a half time to ensure that we fulfill God's purpose in our generation. So I shared that at the start of the year. And of course, David fulfilled his purpose in his generation, or God's purpose for him in his generation, because he was related to others. Being connected with other people is key to fulfilling our purpose. And so that's part of this whole Come Let Us series. And you know, the book of Hebrews, where we've just read right now, is written to a community who really are facing significant struggle and uncertainty. The reason we call it the book of Hebrews is because it's written to Hebrew people, okay? A bit of a no-brainer. It's written to Jewish believers that have become Christians, okay? They are doing what they can to follow the cloud, okay? As God is moving on and has brought Messiah, they have... Uh, they have moved on with the work that God is doing all the way from their ancestors. We know, uh, chapter 1 says, God has spoken in the past 
in various ways, but now he's spoken in his son. And we are moving on with the purposes of God. And yet these Hebrews Christians were facing the uncertainty of knowing that most of their community was not coming with them. Most of their community was happy, as it were, to stay back in Egypt and not move ahead with what God was doing. And so they were feeling isolated. They were feeling uncertain. Uh, This Hebrew Christian community were feeling a, a little bit unsure of what their certain uh, certainty would look like, uh, the future would look like. And so the Hebrew writer says to them, listen, stay on track. Okay. I know this is a struggle, but stay on course, stay on track. It's not an easy road, but don't go back right from chapter two. He says, listen, we are not those who shrink back. Don't go back. We are on the right course. And while it might be difficult right now, let's keep on moving forward. And, and the way he encourages them to do that is all the way through the first 10 chapters is to say, listen, remember, we've had it good in the past, but Jesus is by far better than anything we've ever had before. Moses, angels, Joshua, Aaron, the temple, all that actually were types and shadows of Jesus. He fulfilled, he is those things and he's better. You know, he is same, same, but superior. So let's not, let's not dwell on the past. Let's not go back to the past. Let's keep on course with where Jesus is leading us, even though we are in, are in difficult and uncertain times. And that's where chapter 11, the next chapter comes in. And he says, listen, we've got people in our past that have demonstrated what this is like. People who faced fear and faced uncertainty in faith. Okay, but they kept the course by faith. They kept the course, even though they didn't fully see what it was uh, where they were headed. Okay, and so that's part of the whole vibe, if you like. Okay, it's the whole Marbo vibe of the thing of Hebrews. It's about encouraging the people in uncertain, struggling times to keep on moving forward in Jesus. And in this passage that we just read, there are three come let us practical exhortations. Come let us some practical ways that the writer says, now let's come let us do three things together. Firstly, let us draw near. I'm going to talk to you about that today. Let us draw near to God. Okay. The second exhortation was this. Let us hold firm to the hope that we've been professing. Let us hold to hope. And thirdly, let us consider one another. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold to hope and let us consider one another. Maybe we could put it this way. Let us look up. Let us look ahead. And let us look around. And consider other people who are on this journey with us. So I want to speak to that today. You know, one of the reasons we're doing uh, a service kind of like this is as much as we can, we're trying to have a sort of create a sense of normalcy in these times. And so I thought, what could be more normal than me doing a three-point sermon? Okay, it's easy. It's just like any other Sunday. Okay, so here we go. Number one, let us draw near to God. I want to read those verses again. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, which is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience 
and with our bodies washed with warm water. Come, let us draw near. Come, let us look up. You know, there's whole words in here that really stand out to me. Uh, obviously, one of the words there is confidence. Okay, great assurance, it says later, and confidence. We have confidence to enter. With full assurance, we draw near. And as I was dwelling on this yesterday, it reminded me of a classic photograph. And obviously, if I had a PowerPoint, I'd show it to you today. But a classic photograph of JFK Jr. As a, I think he was a 10-year-old boy. And uh, the president, his dad, is sitting there in the Oval Office at his desk. Okay, He's got papers all around him. He's making world-changing decisions. The President of the United States, the most powerful man, okay, so to speak, in the whole world is sitting there and there is his son playing at his feet. You know, some people need to go through whole sorts of rigmaroles to see the President, to have an audience with JFK, to get into the Oval Office. Very few people are allowed in that room. And yet here is a 10-year-old boy playing under the desk at his father's feet. And uh, the photograph was actually taken just a few weeks before JFK was assassinated. Someone was doing a story about how the relationship between the father and the son. And JFK Jr. used to say, that is my secret place. It's my cubby house, my secret place. And he has a secret door to get in there. Well, friends, that's just when I read this scripture that says, let us draw near with full assurance and with confidence. That's the kind of confidence we have in drawing near to God, the most powerful being ever, the supreme God over the galaxies. And yet he calls us his children. We have boldness to approach him. We have confidence to approach him. And the whole book of Hebrews is kind of pointing towards that. The whole book of Hebrews is pointing towards this superior access that we have. It is all made possible because of Jesus and his work for us on our behalf. And that's where the references come in here to things like blood and curtain and uh, and sprinkling and washing with water. Okay, I don't want to go too much into this, but essentially, of course, it's pretty obvious. These are all Old Testament references. Remember, uh, the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish people. It's written to people who their whole life have grown up in the Old Testament. They did chronological Bible reading plans all the time. Okay, they understood how the Old Testament worked. And so for them, images of Moses and Passover and, and what our fathers went through in the desert. These were all images for them. And so when this author can say, listen, our hearts have been sprinkled, we've been washed and the blood has cleansed us. It, it triggered certain things in their thoughts. You know, he says that we have confidence to enter the most holy places, most holy places. I don't know what your Bible says, but one of the reasons I read from the ESV today is because uh, some translations say we have confidence to enter the most holy place, singular. But that's actually not in the Greek, okay? The Greek is most holy places. It's actually a plural term. So that's why I read from this more literal translation. He says, you have confidence to enter the holy places. If you read back in previous chapters, it talks about the tabernacle, how the tabernacle had various levels, as it were. All of those were holy places. And the whole thing was a tent, which means every level you went into, there was another curtain, another curtain, another curtain. Well, we have confidence to enter in, and enter in, and enter in, and enter further in. Okay, we have confidence to enter the holy places that God has for us. And a little bit like JFK Jr., we can approach the most powerful being in the universe, okay, and we can sit comfortably and boldly at his feet. 
the whole thing about being washed and being sprinkled again I won't go into details about that but it made me think you know as I'm reading this letter I'm always thinking what does a Hebrew person think when they see the words washed and sprinkled what combination of washed and sprinkled where is that in the Old Testament I actually found three that I think could have been in the minds of the Jewish people at the time the first is is of course at Mount Sinai when God's people come and they wash their clothes they wash their bodies to come to approach the mountain and then Moses sprinkles them as they enter into covenant okay there is a washing and a sprinkling as the whole nation enters into covenant. But as you read through Leviticus, there's actually more examples of washing and sprinkling together. Uh, one of them is, is Leviticus 13, 14, where a leper is healed. Okay, And this leper, yeah, they've come to the mountain. They, 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 they've come to God's land, as it were. But because they're sick, they're impure, they are outside the camp. Well, when they get healed, okay, the priest goes to them or they come back into the camp and they go through a ritual of being wash, washing their whole bodies with water and being sprinkled with blood. It sounds a bit gross to you and me, but what's the point? The point is this. It's a leper, someone who is impure, who comes back into community, into the camp, not just at Mount Sinai in a general uh, view. Oh, yeah, I can see the mountain there. I've come out of Egypt to see Sinai. No, 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 no. I'm also coming into the camp by washing and sprinkling. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Okay, these people not just come to the mountain, but they are, now they can come into the camp. It's like an extra level of closeness. And then I thought, oh, there's another place where there's sprinkling and washing, and it's with the priests. Okay, I think that's in, where's that? Leviticus uh, 8 to 9, where Moses washes the priests to set them aside, and they are sprinkled with blood, washed and sprinkled. Those two things go hand in hand. Who are the priests? Well, they're not impure people outside the camp. They are well and truly in the camp, but that washing and sprinkling allowed them to come into the tabernacle. And so it's possible. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a little stir crazy staying staying here with myself and seeing things that aren't there. But what if you bring these three pictures together of washing and sprinkling of people who've come out uh, of of bondage, who've come... into the, the, the to see the mountain of God first level second level they've come into the camp and declared pure third level they're now coming into the tent as priests empowered to minister wow is it possible that in the Hebrew mind these images are going around in their head yes we've been washed yes we've been sprinkled and it means God is just taking us from one level of glory to the next closer and closer and closer to him I don't know I'll leave that with you whatever okay Let's keep on moving in. Here's the point. The point is this. What's the point? Remember, you always have to ask me that. What's the point? The point is this. Let us draw near to God. Let us draw near. Confidence with full assurance. Because Jesus has washed and sprinkled us. Whatever that's supposed to mean. Washed and sprinkled us. And we can come near and near and near. And I want to encourage you. My first encouragement. Draw near. Draw near to him. Look up, draw near. The second thing is found in verse 23. Here we go. It says, let us, let us. Come on, everyone say, let us. Okay, I heard you. Well done. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Point number one, let us draw near to God. Point number two, let us hold fast to the hope that we profess. Why? Because he who 
promised is faithful. Now, of course, you know, as we read something like this, don't think of our situation first, all right? Put yourself in the sandals of the original audience and think, when he said, let us hold fast to the hope, what were those Jewish Christians thinking? What came into their mind? Well, one of the things we know about hope uh, in uh, Romans chapter 8 is Paul says, listen, we hope for things that we don't yet see. Uh, it's something that we, we know we have in faith, okay? because God is faithful and he's promised certain things, but we don't yet see it. It's, it, it's, 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 a, it's a now, but it's a not yet. That's where the, the hope is. It's a forward uh, type of thing. Okay, So we understand that from, from Romans chapter 8. That's part of the nature of hope. And so I thought, well, what, did, what, what came into the minds of these people when the writer here, Paul or whoever it was, okay, said, let's hold faith fast to the hope that we confess. What hope were they confessing? What were they looking forward to? And so I thought, well, I better read the whole book of Hebrews. And so I did that. And, you know, one one of the things I've found just in the last couple of days is right from the very outset, as I said before, the book of Hebrews really picks up on the whole Exodus story, the whole Exodus motif, okay? God's people coming out of bondage, but now they're in the desert. They've come to a mountain. Moses has gone up. They're kind of waiting for him, okay, whatever. And then what do they do? Well, now they're going on to the promised land. But before they get to the promised land, they send Joshua ahead of them, okay? There's all this type of thing. It's this whole journey, and they will get to the promised land. But in the meantime, they're in a desert kind of experience, and they need to learn lessons from that desert experience. You see, right from chapter 2 of Hebrews, it talks about how Jesus has come and delivered, go and look at this, delivered Abraham's ancestors, Abraham's people from years of slavery. I think it says something like this. Jesus delivered Abraham's descendants who were subject to lifelong slavery. And Jesus did that by suffering. What is that in the Jewish mind? Well, that's a picture of Jesus being the Passover lamb, delivering God's people, us Jewish Christians, okay, that's the context, delivering us from lifelong slavery. So Hebrews is here drawing on that Exodus story and saying, you know what, that's happening to us today. Except the one who delivered us suffered by delivering us. The one who delivered us was actually the Passover lamb. Jesus is that Passover lamb. He then goes on to start chapter 3 by saying Jesus is the apostle and the high priest who we confess. Well, who are the apostle and the high priest? Well, that's Moses and Aaron, isn't it? Moses is the one that brought God's people out and said, listen, we're moving ahead. We're taking new ground. Moses was the apostle and Aaron was the high priest. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, that's Jesus. Okay, uh, we had Moses. We had a Passover lamb. We had Moses. We had Joshua. Now Jesus is those things. And of course, he is vastly superior to that. In chapter four, it talks about how Joshua was called to take them in to the promised land, which was a place of rest. And even though he succeeded in doing that, there is still a rest for these believers today. And one of the most amazing things is he says, you know, Jesus is like a picture of Joshua. In fact, you know what Jesus's name is? It's actually Yeshua. It is Joshua. It is Yeshua. Okay. And so he's saying like Joshua, who went forward into the promised land. Okay. So we have a hope. That the same one who delivered us as the lamb, the same one who's been like Moses, the same one who's been like Aaron for us is also like Joshua, who's gone into the promised land ahead of us. And we know that he is there. And that is where this whole concept for the first time in Hebrews of hope comes in in chapter 6, where it talks about hope in the promised land that is ahead of them, that they will inherit by faith and patience. 
And then he mixes his metaphors and he says, listen, like Joshua, who went into the promised land ahead of the people, it's also like uh, the high priest going into the Holy of Holies uh, before the people. Okay, and, there's, and, and, and the people can't see him because he's in the Holy of Holies, but he will come out and take us on and take us forward. So there's all these allegories that are sort of mixed in there. What's your point, Chad? Okay, you're taking too long on this. Here's the point. You need to ask me. I told you. What's the point? The point is this. In general terms, hope is anything that says the best is yet to come. Hope is anything that says the future is brighter. Yes, these, the people in the Exodus had the peace of God with them and had the presence of God with them. But there was hope in the promised land that there'd be greater measures of peace, greater measures of his presence. Yes, they had provision. They had manna every day. God was providing them. But there was always hope that in our future, there are greater measures of provision. Yes, in the desert, they had protection. But God said, listen, in the future, there's always hope for greater measures of protection. I, I just think the general lesson that we can learn from this is in hope means we may not see it quite yet, but the best is yet to come. And ultimately, of course, for us, that best is eternal life. I mean, that brings perspective to everything, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus often and Paul often said, look, have a heavenly perspective, have an eternal perspective when you think about things. And so ultimately, the hope is in eternal life. But even in this life, okay, even on this earth, that hope, do not let go of the hope that there is a brighter tomorrow. Yes, I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will not fear because I know God's with me during this journey and I know that there is table set before me and there is great light ahead of any tunnel. What's the point, Chad? Hold fast to hope, my friends. Hold fast to the confession of our hope. That's why we need to watch out what's coming out of our mouths as we say, look, let's keep going. Let's keep going because the best is yet to come. Point number one, let us, come let us, draw near to God. Look up. Point number two, come let us, look forward. And hold fast to the hope that we have. And point number three is found in verse 24. Come, let us consider one another. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more. As you see, the day approaching. Exactly what the day is that was in the minds of these Christians at that time is a, is a matter of debate. And you can look that up. But at the end of the day, that's not 100% clear what was in their minds when they heard the term day. But what we know, what is certain, is that this third exhortation is all about considering one another. Yes, look up and draw near to God. Yes, look forward and hold to the hope of a brighter day to come. But don't forget to look around you. Don't forget that we are doing this journey together and we need to come. Let us consider one another and consider specifically how to spur or how to stir one another on. You know, it's interesting doing a study into that 
word stir or spur. Your um, Bible might have the word motivate. Okay, Your Bible might have the word provoke. And that's one of the, the, the more stronger English words used to translate this word because it's actually a very strong word. It's not a, it's not a gentle word. <laughs> when he says stir one another on, it's actually quite a forceful term. All right, It's actually used only twice in the Bible. And the other places in Acts 15, you might remember when Paul and Barnabas have a Barney, okay? And it says they had such a strong disagreement that they parted company. That's the same word. They had such a strong disagreement. There was such a provocation in their language that it forced them to respond. And that's the kind of language that's used here in Hebrews. All right, stir one another on. It comes with a with a forcefulness. And I think the intensity of what this church was going through at the time, it's like the author saying, listen, guys, don't become complacent. Don't back off. Don't think you can go back to Egypt. Don't just get you know down in the dumps. All right, listen, spur one another on. This is really urgent for these people at this time. This is really urgent. This is critical that you don't lose your forward moving momentum. It's critical you draw near to God. It's critical you hold on to hope. And it's critical that you help others in the community keep their spirits up. We're all in this together. And that was the message here of this uh, Hebrew writer, Paul, as he's writing to him. It's a very powerful, powerful term. It's like give someone a jab so they're forced to respond because we're in this together. We need to be moving ahead together. And that's his message here to these persecuted Jewish Christians in the first century. And of course, what are we to spur? What are they to spur one another onto? Spur one another to love. Okay, spur one another to good deeds. Don't back off. Don't don't calm down. Okay, spur one another on to keep living the life that God has called us to live. Uh, and don't back off now. All right, there's a very strong language coming through in there. And of course, then it says, don't neglect gathering together. Don't neglect meeting together. You know, one of the most common or one of the most, the most effective ways to encourage one another. Encourage, put courage into. That's what that word means. Encourage, encourage, courage in, okay? To encourage people is to meet together. Is to meet together. And here I am saying that on a day, okay, where we are physically distant, all right? But listen, I think in our technolo- technological age, it's uh, for us to be able to meet together. And by meeting together, th- this is the first couple of things I want to say on, on meeting together. The importance of meeting together, that it is face to face, eye to eye, voice to voice. You know, in the past 10, 20 years, maybe with mobile phones, we've got so used to writing text. You know, we've got so used to sending messages. And I'm all for that. When I'm in admin mode, I'm just sending text. Some of you know that I'm sending text a lot of the time. But you know what often text does not do? It doesn't communicate heart. It doesn't communicate tone. Uh, It doesn't as well communicate like a face-to-face and an eye-to-eye does. And as I sort of reflecting on this time and what we're going through, I'm actually wondering whether while people are in isolation, this actually helps us or is an opportunity to help us to be better communicators and uh, to have that face-to-face and voice-to-voice. But that's what the writer's saying here to the Hebrews. He's saying, listen, even though it's inconvenient for you because you're going to be persecuted if you get together, even if it's uncomfortable, uh, don't forsake coming together. And what's really interesting, actually, again, if you look at the Greek, if you go on BibleHub.com or whatever, it doesn't say, don't neglect meeting together. It's actually a noun, okay? It actually says, don't forget the gathering together. The Greek is, uh, is ten, the, ten, epi-synagogue. 
Okay? Don't neglect the synagoguing together. Don't neglect the gathering together. And it's kind of like his way of saying, there is a moment where we as the family of God are the gathering. Okay? We come together together. And that's why I'm so proud of you guys today for being here in these situations and saying, you know what? Uh, we're going to prioritize the gathering together. It's kind of like showing a, uh, you know, having a weekly meal together as a family. Yeah, a family can meet, uh, can see one another. They can still connect during the week. And I know in our family, we've got people, you know, people coming and going in university and school and sports and blah, 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 blah. But the gathering together, having an opportunity where we come together intentionally as uh, a gathering. And that's what the Hebrew writer's saying. He's saying, don't neglect the gathering together. And so well done for being here today. Well done for uh, still honoring the gathering together time that we've set uh, together. And we can connect during the week. We can gather uh, in, in different ways, smaller numbers at this stage, of course, but we can still gather. We can still get on the phone. We can still uh, do FaceTime and connect with people eye to eye, voice to voice. And again, I want to encourage that to happen. But well done for not neglecting today the gathering together our once a week as it were opportunity to come together as a family and my friends they are three of the lessons that we learn here from hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain of his flesh. Jesus' body tore open on the cross. It's a sign of the temple, the tabernacle curtains being torn open to the presence of God. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we can stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Church, come, let us draw near. Come, let us hold fast to hope. Come, let us consider one another. Come, let us look up. Come, let us look forward and come, let us look around and consider other people. Let's pray. Dad, we thank you so much for the power of your word that today is living and active. We bless you for these encouragements. We take them to heart today. We set them in our heads today and we commit ourselves to put our hands to work, to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers. We bless you today. We thank you for these exhortations and we take them seriously together as a community today in Jesus' name. We thank you 
for your awesome goodness and your awesome graciousness towards us. And as the scripture says today, one of the reasons we can hold on to these things is because he who promised is faithful. It is all about you. The work you have done, the work you are doing, and the work you will continue to do on into our future. We bless you this morning and we bless this incredible church family today in Jesus' name. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.